<clears throat> Got your cough in there. I was wondering if that happened. <laughs> Probably. You did that last week. Did I? Yes. You're you're audio bombing my intro. Yeah, I just got a little <laughs> congestion, that's all. Ah, well, John, how you doing? We already talked about that. <laughs> but this is the show now. I know, and for the show, I'm going to be positive and happy. <laughs> people people don't want that. Yes, they do. No, people... They don't want to hear my problems. No, no, because then uh, if, you talk, if you talk about your problems, then it'll make them feel better about their problems. Oh. You see? We're not going to do the thing like people do on social media where they only show the... The good stuff? Yes, the good stuff. We show it all. We 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 bear ourselves completely. <laughs> good thing it's not a video podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, it's, there, it's that's good in a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, what's uh, what's been going on? Well, You're, I don't know if we should talk about this now or later, but I think we have to talk about the outage. Obviously. Okay, I don't know much about the outage. I, I guess I don't use Salesforce very much. <laughs> <laughs> I assume we're talking about a Salesforce outage. Was this the one that was like a week or two ago? Yeah, it was, it was uh, last, last, was it last week? I guess it was last week. This week went by, uh, mainly because I was busy, but. Oh, yes. I think this I, was last week. This uh, was the DNS issue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any time something like this is an outage like this, the best place to go read about it is the register, which is this kind of British uh, IT rag, I guess. Mm -hmm. And. <laughs> because uh, they're so sarcastic in, in the kind of British kind of way. And then, uh, and the comments are always funny. I'm into, I, I should have cherry-picked humor. <laughs> What's that? I'm into British humor. Yeah, you should read kind it. Kind of dry, sarcastic, almost elitist humor. <laughs> I just, I went right to the comments. In fact, here we go. Uh, they're quoting, we have taken action with that particular employee. And then the person's comment is, presumably involving a shovel, a roll of carpet, and two 20 kilogram bags of quick lime oh <laughs> uh, man uh, i doubt a cock up of that magnitude will result in keeping your job also you get these britishisms cock up americans <laughs> don't say that do they no oh there you go there's there's number one for you john <laughs> i don't normally do it you do <laughs> i know projecting yeah uh let's see um hmm. Oh, yeah. Someone said either that or promotion to manager. <laughs> Here's the deal. We're either going to have to fire you or we can promote you to a VP level. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just invent a new C title for him. Well, that I'll, seems to be all the rage these days. There's so many new C titles. Yeah. What would it be? Um, Chief retrospective officer. Yeah. That's not bad. <laughs> CRO, huh? Yeah. Um, well, tell us what And there's what no happened. one that's going to be more careful about that kind of stuff than the person that, that screwed it up. Unless, unless he's just, unless that person is just completely just insane. That's like one of those mistakes that you carry throughout your entire career. Oh, yeah. And you, you will, you will, you will create multiple kind of barriers or defensive mechanisms to prevent yourself from doing that ever again. Because I nuked a, like, uh, my version of that is I nuked a client sandbox at one point. Nuked a sandbox? I mean, I was asked to. But I nuked it. Oh, okay. Um, but well, it, has, it, had, it had my it had well not my code because I had backed it up because I knew I was going to nuke it. My code. But there was another vendor that was doing stuff, and their code was in there. 
and I just nuked it all. You can always bring any story back to my code, John. Yeah. <laughs> we can always count on at least a few my codes from you every every show. Well, I got a lot of, <laughs> I can talk about my code all day today. <laughs> I got a lot of my code. Uh, I know, you were already ranting on yourself before we started recording, so. Some so, ones. you've never, like back back when we actually got to work with the databases, you never um, like dropped a database, a whole di- database on accident? Or you never did a, an, an issued an update statement and forgot to put a where clause on it? I was always doing local development when I did that. So fortunately, okay. I never nuked a, a production database. That's good. I don't think I've ever nuked anything production level, maybe. There have been um, some pretty famous like drop database fails. Um, it was one of the big, was it GitLab or Bitbucket? It wasn't Bitbucket. It was one of these kind of fairly decent sized, like some kind of host, like I think it was Git, Git repository hosting companies. Mm. Um, this was a few years ago, but the person dropped their production database. Mm. And you know, there was just, it got a lot of attention, a lot of discussion, not only just about like how you shouldn't do stuff like that, or no, what you can put in place to prevent things like that. Right. And why it was um, actually the company's fault. And it was the culture and their processes and everything, not the actual employee that, you know, it, issued the statement the you know the sequel statement would that um, be applied here i don't know because well i was i've been asking i've asked you like three times now to tell us what this story is um i have to reread it but apparently well, you said we have to talk about it well yeah, i thought I you were re- going to introduce it or something you got to reread it in order to press talk yes because i've been working all week and i haven't thought about it since then well, okay well let me ask you this why do you say that we have to talk about this because we're a salesforce podcast and it was salesforce news okay well then talk about it <laughs> <laughs> but you can't read it on the air unless you just uh, want to read it on the air. No, I mean, from what I recall, it was it was a it was a DNS issue, and there's something about how it refreshes all the all the tables or something, all the DNS tables or entries or whatever. And the way the the it was it was done as a hot fix um, or an emergency fix. <laughs> Ooh, that's the danger with hot fixes. Yeah, <laughs> and the way it's supposed to go procedurally is it's supposed to kind of roll out slowly. So rather it would it would take like I guess maybe one pod or something and and up and refresh those DNS and then keep going. Yeah. Well, I guess he issued a command that did them all at once, and because it did them all at once, I guess there's some some other jobs that that attempt to kind of go look at other DNS sites or something to kind of resolve or something. Um, again, not an expert. This is just what I remember reading, and so it just locked the system, so you couldn't you couldn't log in. Now, if you already had a session, you were fine. Like that day, I remember getting pinged and saying, I can't get into this org. And, and I was fine. I was still in an org and I could still get in to the ones I've already had a session for. Okay. But if I tried to physically log in, that's when you get the issue. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it, if it got worse after that point in time, because at that time I was like, well, I guess I'm done for the day. Yeah, the engineer decided erroneously to shortcut the normal procedures by using an EBF process. Emergency break fix. Yep, yep. Uh, going down the EBF route meant fewer approvals in a shortened process that was not gradual. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, do you know like the technical aspects of what actually happened? No, I'm not a, so, I'm not a networking guy. So Salesforce did publish a, there's a, there's a, what is this? An article. It's a knowledge article now about what happened and I guess the impact it had. And yeah, they that, usually they usually do that. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting though how many it if Salesforce can have a massive thing. See, the problem with things like this for Salesforce is that they can't prevent them from going public because it affects so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever been privy to any like massive security? Um, and I won't say massive. Um, s- severe security, uh, either breaches or vulnerabilities discovered in, with Salesforce. Been a part of? Yeah, like or a, my, a, or... a party to, like knowledge. You had you you know gained a knowledge of this through your work or someone you were working with or something. Not that I recall, because yeah. those n- those actually don't get publicized. They don't issue CVEs mm. unless it hits the press or whatever. You'll never know about it. But I mean, I guess that's normal. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, it's I, not I, something you champion, right? It's not like you create a mascot for it. Well, it, it that's a good question. I mean, you know, Salesforce. What's what's their biggest value, John? Their number one value? Trust. Right. And so if you have someone that's covering up all the bad things they've done, do you trust them? I don't know about the bad things, so of course I trust them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and maybe this, maybe the principle applies that uh, what you don't know won't hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I guess, I mean, I guess it's, it's probably just normal. I don't pill. know. I've never really looked into like how, you know, the, like commercial enterprise software comes like how, what, how, how do you handle like, you know, P0 security type things that, that don't ever... There's not, especially the ones that's not a known um, breach. Mm-hmm. They find it, but they find it before any bad guys do, right? And so, does that even need to be published, or is it just again no harm? It was, might be no published harm in was a patch done. note somewhere. That no, they don't. They don't get published. Well, not, not the don't. specific. I'm telling you, they don't. What I'm what I, the question is is should they? Why don't they? And is it just is that just normal? I mean, too much information could be just as bad. Yeah, that's it, true. It could, it could expose kind of underlying either versions of software that, that you're using or relying on that could have holes that, that other people can exploit and things like that. I mean, yeah. so it's not something you want to open the floodgates on, I don't think. I think so. I think that's right, actually. Um, and again, unless there was some kind of breach or a reason that customers or the public would need to know. I mean, why, really? Yeah. And in fact, I mean, the more, if you publish those things unnecessarily, it, it could give bad guys clues to where there might be other vulnerabilities. Right. So it's probably, it probably makes sense. Um, I'm just used to, uh, I'm more familiar with the open source world where, you know, anytime you find serious vulnerabilities, they get, they get documented in, in like the, the CV database or somewhere mm. and in, in like public uh, issue trackers and things. And so it's kind of in a way celebrated. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you have with open source. It's not like you typically have a customer base that you can email out and say, "Hey, watch out for this vulnerability." It's everyone's just kind of done a fork somewhere, copy and paste. Um, yeah, I mean, usually there's. I mean, the most a lot of projects will typically have you know information dissemination mechanisms. Again, um, I don't know. I use, I use a lot of Node libraries that come when I do install package, and I don't get a bunch of notifications. Well, I guess I do when I update. I get a bunch of warnings. Yeah, you probably can. I mean, if you do like a, I don't know, I'm not, I don't use Node enough to know what the commands are off the top of my head, but most of these things you can do like an, an outdated or like uh, there's a thing. There's an audit command. Yeah, or there's, um, I think there are also things that will scan your, um, what is it, like your package XML or mm-hmm. your, you know, your palm.xml or your Gradle build file or whatever. And I'll just um, tell you if there's any no- known vulnerabilities for anything that you're building with. Yeah. 
And it's usually, I mean, it's actually common to have, for that to be part of the, like the build or release process is to bounce your, uh, basically your transitive dependency list against, you know, these publicly known, these public databases of, of vulnerabilities so that it fails the build if anything shows up. And it just points to can how, you do that in this, how, do, how hard and expensive writing software is uh, or maintaining software. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was easy. John, just drag and drop, right? Well, if you drag and drop, then you don't have to worry about it, right? Salesforce does all that for you. Right, yeah. There's, there's no, you're all good to go. No problems. Um, anyway. Well, did we cover that good enough for you? Yes. Okay. You said you want to talk about it. <laughs> Why do you got to be that way? I mean, it's just weird that you said you want to talk about it. You're but so you confrontational. Did, you, but you didn't have anything to say. I just, I'm, it's going to be a quiet, short podcast. Okay. Um, well. Do you think we wouldn't get crap if we just didn't talk about it at all, even just mentioned. I thought we did last last time, but maybe we didn't. Or maybe I see. I get confused on what their Slack discussions about and what we actually talk about mm. on the show. I, I, that my mind doesn't. I can't separate conversations like that. If I've and if I've and I don't know what I've told people either. I have that other brand that problem. I tell tell someone the same thing seven times over the course of a week. Well, that makes lying kind of hard, doesn't it? That's why I don't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I am the worst liar in the world. Um. So we ha we have a um, new uh, ch chapter in the book called Salesforce said the quiet part out loud again. <laughs> Referring to what? Which was the uh, <laughs> the they've they've sent so they uh, you got so the, at the end of the at the end of this the I guess that we have to give Salesforce credit because they they have recanted this but they they put out a tweet that was like or I guess it was Salesforce I don't know I thought it was Salesforce officially maybe it wasn't but something about and this is in the Slack. That's where I found out about this. But low low code means, you know, no compiling and and no test classes, which helps you get straight to solving your business problem. Oh, they said that before. Remember I, I clipped it I, as I part of my 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 uh montage? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. But um anyway, um the the, the GDS community took took some issue with that and um it got brought to Salesforce's attention and I think they've they've since rolled that back and are going to work on their messaging some. Yeah, there's some people in marketing that just love saying you don't have to test well, for some reason. That's the problem when marketing versus marketing versus reality. Or what marketing says you do versus the right thing to do. Well, the problem is is they're they're trying to create this uh message that it's so easy and low yeah, maintenance and absolutely. things like that. Absolutely. And, and however, yeah. there's a reason for for testing and there's a reason <laughs> for for these mechanisms that we deal with as development that do add cost and time. But they're done for a reason. How is this still so contrary? And it's weird because I feel like in the in the um, normal software development world, like that used to be controversial, and nowadays it's so less controversial. And in the Salesforce world, it's the opposite. It's now becoming so controversial to say that you should have some kind of quality standards with what you're building, that yeah. you should care about at all about the massive technical debt you're creating. It it that is so controversial now. How is that controversial, John? What is wrong with this ecosystem? Because they got to sell it to the CIOs who... <laughs> no, 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 no. They got to sell it to the CMOs and the, and the VPs of sales. Yeah, that's true. That's how this, that's all, that's all happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I should give CIOs... And the, C, no, the CIOs nowadays have given up. They've yeah. been like, you want to do Salesforce? Fine, go do Salesforce. Like, that's less, fewer problems for me. Yeah. There was, there was a point in time where CIOs were kind of the main guy of the company because everything was because ev everyone was a technology company everyone was a software company there was a point in time where that was the mantra 
but now it's flipped back to sales and marketing, especially since they can outsource all that stuff now um, to all these cloud platforms that that role at some point isn't as critical as it used to be. So now it's back to sales and marketing being the big, the, uh, uh, having the final say, I guess, when it comes yeah, to budgets yeah. and and procedures and things. Thanks. I mean, it seems. Yeah, it seems like it. And the, the the CIO role has definitely changed quite a bit. I feel like Salesforce has had a big hand in that, doesn't it? Uh, well, it's been certainly been a, a what do you call it? A, a catalyst for that change. Possibly a catalyst, but I think AWS and these kind of kind of cloud oh. hosting services in general have because it really has taken away a lot of what what a company would normally manage on their own and outsourced it in terms of monitoring and installation and hardware acquisition and maintenance and all that kind of stuff. They basically just hand over a credit card and say, how much more do you need? Yeah. And and it's weird because the I don't know. I guess overall the CIO's job is if you think about it in a way, it hasn't it hasn't changed that much if you consider that what they used to be, I mean, they still they still are in charge of like information technology strategy. It's mm-hmm. just so much of it is uh, the strategy is is for things that are outside of your organizational boundaries. Yeah. Right. There's just much more contracting for services and hardware than there used to be. It used to be way more internal. Yeah, almost like a just managing a portfolio of sorts. I mean, you have your your on-prem, your off-prem and all that kind of stuff and that all interacts and of course maintaining the budget for all that. It'd be but cool. it's less about the day-to-day maintenance and 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 hardware acquisitions and and carving out time to to stick in a new raid array or something. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not I don't think most companies do that anymore except for the really really big ones. It it's becoming hard to justify. Yeah. It, it's I'd also like to know, you know, like let's say 10 years ago, what percentage of various types of like IT tech people, admins, whatever, worked for a service provider versus what what would you call it? Like in house. Yeah. That's probably quite a bit. I mean, I think I mean, it's, these, it's, the in house jobs are just going away. Yeah. And, and even, also, even those are getting outsourced. And also for every one in house job that gets replaced, how many actually how many how many jobs at service providers does it get replaced with? It's got to be like for every one job that disappears, it's being replaced like with, I would say half a job at best. Yeah. I know it sounded like I said outsource twice, but I meant it that way because you would out, you outsource your technology and then normally you'd have some internal employee that manages that technology. Mm-hmm. But even that role gets outsourced. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I so gotcha. Yeah. Think about your Salesforce administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have companies that have Salesforce and yet they've outsourced their entire administration to some other company. Yeah. Focus on your uh, core value add. Outsource everything else. Does I guess. That, does that work? <laughs> it might. I mean, yeah. Uh, I thought this has just popped up today or yesterday. This new Salesforce event bus. Uh, I don't think I heard about that. Well, let me give you the rundown since I actually read the article, did my homework. Nice. <laughs> Be a little clap yeah. on that one. Okay, so I think I can boil this down to something really simple, which is things like Salesforce's streaming platform and like it cha- uh, uh, the brain fart, um, change data capture, what's it built on? Platform events. Mm-hmm. 
So those were all backed by uh, Kafka, Apache Kafka at Salesforce was the kind of their backing technology for that. And I thought I think overall it's been I think that's been a pretty pretty big success story. Uh, anyway, it's not those aren't going anywhere, but it sounds like they're planning on migrating their their backend from that from potentially from Kafka to uh, some kind of um, like gRPC based type of thing. gRPC being um, gRPC. I don't even know what the stands for. Something remote procedure call. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the G stands for. Is it from? Is it was originally from Google? I think it's a C and CF. Um, it says remote procedure call, but I don't, can't see where the G came from. Yeah, um, I'm not sure either. You would have to ask that, and I don't know. <laughs> oh, and you just Google gr. Oh, I'm not spelling. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, oh, it was originally Google, but now it's 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 a CNCF project, so it's uh, vendor neutral ostensibly. Mm. Um, so anyway, it sounds like they're, they're shifting to that, but as a part of that, so and 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 this is one of those things that ugh, if they do it right, it you should never notice if you if you're a user of platform events and change data capture and push topics and all this kind of crap, like mm -hmm. shouldn't. Should notice a change. That, that's a goal. It's like, you know, an in-place. Um, they're refactoring, right? And the, and the whole deal with refactoring is, you know, you improve it without, without changing the, the functionality. Yeah. Um, so it's like, <laughs> changed all the what? Concretes. <laughs> Concretes? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, you have your interface and you have your concrete implementation. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Just change the concrete. There you go. Okay, I didn't know what you meant. <laughs> <That's, laughs> makes sense. Um, anyway, uh, one side benefit to this, though, is they're also, sounds like, planning to expose that gRPC um, backend as like, as like a, a, a pub-sub service that you can use for all kinds of stuff at Salesforce that's, that's cr like cross-cloud. Interesting. Yep. And it'll, it sounds like it'll be gRPC-based, too. But what they're exposing will be gRPC interfaces. So, you know, you can use... Uh, um, gRPC is like is cross cross language cross platform right so when you um when you build a gRPC interface you know it, it, you can generate all these different language stuff so java python c sharp whatever whatever you're doing javascript and it just makes it easy to call you know to call these your gRPC service mm -hmm. when whatever your favorite language is what's the protocol like the syntax of it or are you are you completely abstracted from uh, it? you're pretty abstracted yeah um I mean, it's. I think gRPC is always uh, proto protocol buffers, proto buff mm -hmm. under the hood. So, so it's. Um, I think on the wire it's binary, but I know it's it's way more co uh, compact and efficient than something like JSON is. Okay. And it's probably just not only not only just the amount of space it takes up, um, which actually may not be that much much of an improvement. But I think I think what's the big improvement is is the uh, is like the uh, the serializing and deserializing. Mm -hmm. It's probably way more efficient for protocol buffers than it is for something like, you know, JSON oh, yeah. or XML or something like that. Yeah, um, JSON is a format for serializing, deserializing. I've, I've used to love it, but I, I've grown to hate it to a certain point. What do you like better? What do I like better? Yeah. Than that? Yep. Um, straight out delimited data. I just, I can parse that easier. I can deal with it easier. I can even read it easier in most cases, except if there's some long bit of text, but normally for the things like, I'm trying like to... like CSV type of thing? Yeah. Okay. 
but it doesn't have to be comma. I mean, I'll, I'll sometimes delimit with a colon, so sometimes delimit. It just depends on what I feel is going to be appropriate for that data stream. Yeah. Um, uh, but I used to just default to creating an object, serialize it using JSON so that I can just kind of deserialize it back out. But mm-hmm. it's just too wordy. It, it increases the, the, the data storage needs. Like if I'm going to stick it in a field, well, 255 can go up pretty quick with all the colons and brackets and everything else. And right. So, so I'll just, just parse it out. Yeah, I guess, I guess for real flat things, that makes sense. I mean, obviously, yeah. JSON can do you know, nested structures, and it's got, it's got data types and stuff. So it's got some protections and some extra nice things, but you don't need that. And if you're just doing real simple flat stuff, it you know, I, I, it also tends to be a bit brittle though, because my fear is that someone will mess with it and my serialization will break, and it's just going to throw a hard error. Um, uh, yeah, I think that applies just, to anything though. I mean, if you're letting people edit your serialized format of things, then sure, yeah, it's you're going to be screwed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just cautious with those things because yeah. I've I've had cases where, and then and then I start thinking about well, if it, if I create this data format. Do I version it in case I want to add things to it later? And now I've got this state where I've got this V1 serial, serial, serial token or whatever you want to call it. And now I have this V2 data stream that I need to right. accomplish, you know, and then I, I, st- I start rolling. So that's always a problem with, with serialized yeah. data structures. Um, sometimes you actually, I mean, I think, I think most of these things have a, a thing where they, they embed like a, a, a serialized, like a version of the format yeah. in, this, in the serialized data itself. Which can always be read from any version, right. but at least you know that if you're if you're reading in a version that's newer than what you're expecting, than what you can handle, then you can at least stop and say, "Oh, some, this is I can't do this." Right. You know, notify someone. Um, anyway, pop in the stacks. What are we talking about? Um, GRPC. Yeah, so GRPC. <clears throat> oh yeah, so you and with 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 with. Um, gRPC, you know, you define your, I guess this is a more of a protocol buffer thing, but you'd, there's like an IDL um, that's not dissimilar to really in any of the kind of common mm-hmm. IDLs, which is interface definition language. It, it almost looks like JSON a little bit, I think. Um, but it's, uh, you can define just basically like types and it's, they're just simple, you know, simple types within this predefined data types, similar to JSON really. And then, uh, and then procedures that can accept a type and return a type. And they can also, with gRPC, you know, you can, um, things can be synchronous or they can be asynchronous. They can also, it's got like the notion of streaming built into it. So you can just say, hey, I'm going to call this method and I'm going to pass this parameter into you. And then you just start streaming stuff to me. And it, you know, it's, it just keeps a stream open, basically. So that's how you can do things like, uh, like WebSocket type stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that type of thing. Just, uh, but anyway, so yeah, I mean that that could be interesting. Um, just to be able to have Salesforce uh, support, you know, like a PubSub API like that. Yeah, that's uh, it's you know, it's you know, it's it's interesting to see how they'll position that versus things like their streaming API because they already have they already have push topics in a streaming API. Well, it might just be one of those technologies that they keep around. Because they have to, but then point new people and new development towards towards that. Yeah, I mean, it probably offers them. I mean, it's it's got to be a win win. Not only is it a probably better technology, but it probably affords them cleaner transactions, or 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 makes it easier to maintain on their end in terms of usage and transaction sizes and things like that. So they're um, they're already planning for a pilot of the PubSub API in late summer. Of this year, 
I wonder if it'll be all the things, like even even kind of component event messaging would fall under that umbrella. Component? Oh, um, maybe not, because that's mostly client side stuff. So yeah, although I think it, I, mean, I mean you could you could still you can still subscribe to a to a stream and consume that in your component. I was just thinking about inner component communication, but I just realized that doesn't work because we're talking client side stuff. Yeah, yeah. So probably not. Uh, someone asked. I saw that someone asked this somewhere. This is interesting, and what they, there's this thought that maybe this is why functions have, are so delayed. Salesforce, func- you know, Evergreen is so delayed. Oh, I could see that because the idea being maybe they realize at some point, oh, if we're going to go to this gRPC based thing, maybe that functions should wait until that's done, and then we can do functions, you know, on top of that. But the problem is that from just from what I understand about. Salesforce functions. I don't think it. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think that's. I don't think it's built on or dependent on a particular, um, like messaging system. It's that's not that's not the problem that functions solves. Is not like streams or messages or venting. It's not an eventing thing. It's a. It might. I mean, I, mean, uh, I guess. <laughs> I guess if you could have an event that triggers your function. Right. But I think that's where the, that's where the connection would end. I, I mean, I guess you could, you could make an argument for how these things could kind of be affected, but I, I don't I mean, think, I don't think way for them to offer a feature that we're abstracted from, like maybe some kind of synchronous call to a function and have a callback or something. And that's somehow streaming to the callback or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it could be a way to allow for certain types of event flows to happen. Not necessarily that we're going to be streaming to the to the function itself, but that the technology that underpins it is going to use it to support it. Might it might, yeah. I just I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let Salesforce off the hook for that for being so late on functions. I, I don't I really don't think my guess is that's not. That oh, and I'm gonna has to I'm gonna take it. back what I said about Lightning Web Component messaging because it still might use that that service because I don't think that that messaging service is client side. I think it is server based. But I'm not entirely positive. I would hope not, because those messages you I think you, you, can, you, you don't you, want the latency of round trips to servers to do to do enter component component on a on a web page messaging. I don't I don't know that it's. I think depending on how you publish that message, it could go to other systems and refresh. I'm not positive. Like I'm basically broadcasting a message when something happens and says, "Hey, I did this," and anything that's subscribed to that, whether it's my machine or someone else's machine, could consume that message. I believe. Well, that's a different, yeah, that's a different type of message, though. I mean, sure. I mean, I would think there's two systems. There's one like, hey, I want to publish a message that's a kind of a global message that goes, that does go back to the server and then can get pushed out to anyone who's subscribing to that, you know, that topic or whatever, or interested in that type of message. But then you have just, I would think, on screen, it's like on screen only. Um, it's just a way for the components on your screen to communicate that. You know this little thing happened, so you can you can redraw yourself now because they someone collapsed this you know, this thing or whatever. That is, there's no reason for that stuff to go back to the server. Yeah, and I'm probably reaching for straws here, but the only reason I even think that is because the way you define those messages between components is you create a, a message channel XML file, which does not have an interface to create. You have to do that from code or from DX and deploy it. There's okay. no Salesforce interface to do that. Um, which is odd because normally you think you'd be able to just go in and point and click, create a message format, and 
save it, and then you start consuming it. Uh, it, te- it These are for- server messages, right? They go to the server? This is, is how you, this is how you're supposed to create messages where components can, can interact. Whether it's your component oh. or your third-party okay. component, whatever, however you're going to communicate between, or basically broadcast a message from your web component yeah. to any other component that's listening. And they, base, they this. base this on uh, XML files? That's how you create the definition. Really? That is odd. And, and the reason I'm saying that, it's, that maybe that could be a reason that it's still XML-based and still something you have to create using a file and deploy mechanism, mm-hmm. meaning there's no editor in Salesforce to manage it, yeah. is maybe because they are switching the underlying technology that that supports and they're not going to invest in creating a front end for it. Yeah. Or maybe they just never got to creating a front end for it. Yeah. But that is always struck. It always strikes me as odd when I find a part of the system that I can't do with point and click. Oh God. I thought that, that I, I, I enjoy, I revel in. Well, I'm not saying and it, things I, that I don't have to go through some <laughs> terrible, you know, UI to click through a wizard to create a freaking field or a, a, a class or, Anything, no. anything. I mean, no, I nothing. get it. I get it. It's just, it's just odd that it's just one of those things. Yeah. Well, and so a lot of the, you know, Salesforce has done this kind of had this pattern of they'll release a feature where in, in which they, you know, the UI there's, the, there's, they don't have UI um, completion yet on it. Like right. um, it wasn't custom metadata types that way. Uh, like initially there was, there was very little UI. I think you had to create them through, through you know like xml files or something i forget what it was um you couldn't edit them or whatever and then and then later they added more ui to do some of the stuff you know through point and click yeah so it's i remember something on those lines with um shield and field history tracking or or not the tracking the uh uh you can you can specify the governance for how long to keep data and all that kind of stuff and i they might be an interface now but i remember when that first came out there wasn't an interface and i had to manually create the xml with all the right entries and then push that hmm. okay yeah that's cool yep <clears throat> it's always nice to to see that they keep the platform uh moving forward and exploring new technologies and trying that out that's the worst thing that could happen is it just stagnates and we never get to i don't know if it's that we never get to use it or that the platform just ends up becoming so stale that there's no reason to use it. What are we talking about? Just the platform in general, them introducing new features and mm. keeping that going. Yeah. All right. Well, what else do you want to talk about, John? Uh, as a fun topic, I, I want to understand what Benny was trying to say when he says that Salesforce needs a ranch. Because <laughs> he, he drew an analogy to Disney, and and I'm like, I mean, they've already got all the mascots and Dreamforce is like this, this, it's just not, it doesn't even feel like a business conference. It feels more like, like a, like a carnival or something. <laughs> it's weird. So I clicked on this article. It's a Wall Street Journal article. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom of the article or in the middle of it, really, there's a video. And the title of the video is Mark Benioff says Facebook CEO should make final call on Trump ban. Yeah, it was, it's kind of weird. Because that that they do discuss that in the article later, but the first part of the article is about the ranch thing. It's it's almost like a bait and switch clickbait thing. First of all, I thought I thought I thought Benioff canceled Facebook. First of all, so why does he care? Did why does cancel? who who cares? Facebook is garbage. <laughs> and why is Mark even thinking about Facebook? Well, because T 
Tim and, and who Tim, Facebook should Tim or shouldn't Zuckerberg are, are going at it. He needs to be part of the conversation. And, and is this really causing a, a, a really a, a problem, a rift in this country right now that we don't have a decision yet on how long <laughs> the banning of someone is on Facebook? Wow, yeah. that's occupying his brain space. Okay. Well, that and building a, a Disneyland for Salesforce. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, there's not much. I mean, they, they, they talk about it for, for a couple articles where he kind of draws analogies to Disney, the smell of Disney, the, the environment to Disney, the bringing your families to Disney. And he says that's the kind of an adversary he wants for Salesforce employees. He needs a ranch where they can go and, and kick back and relax. And I, I think that's kind of in a response to the fact that they're looking to, to maintain remote workers. Yeah. But still give them a place to kind of come and socialize and build relationships yeah you know, like ride horses out there and stuff is that the idea i guess maybe well like i said i found it like, like the dude ranch or something <laughs> the dude ranch dude ranch I don't know. <laughs> okay so here's this quote he says we're looking at maybe buying a large piece of land maybe a large ranch in the united states or some other type of acreage where we can build the next generation of crotonville Crotonville. Yeah, that uh, Crotonville was, uh, I don't know if that's how you say it or not. Who was, oh, it was GE. It was like their, uh, their Xerox Park, I guess, kind of. I don't mm. know. On their uh, campus. Yeah, I think that's where they invented a bunch of stuff or something. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, and when Disney was, a, was an inspiration, so you must have read that part. What they've done so successfully with their parks is that you show up at Disney Park and you smell bi- Disney. What does Disney smell like? Does it have a distinct smell? Uh, Disney actually does have um, little sprayers <laughs> that will spray <laughs> smells in certain areas, so that you you get that atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Like a new car smell or something, or uh, it might be popcorn, <laughs> or it might oh, be flowers, okay. or it might be you know some some nostalgic scent that they want you to experience in that area. <sighs> Interesting. Uh, anyway, it says you smell Disney, you see Disney, you feel Disney, you hear Disney. That's what I want for my new. Plays at Salesforce. Wow. So you're going to smell Salesforce. You're going to see Salesforce. You're going to feel Salesforce. You're going to hear Salesforce. Uh, <laughs> that's too much Salesforce. <laughs> okay. Hang on. I got to update my document here. But I, 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 I don't remember if it was this article or if it was on Reddit somewhere where the comments were just as hilarious because just about. Every other comment was was uh, was creating the dotted line to a cult compound. That <laughs> yes. the ranch would be the well, Salesforce cult compound. At, at some point, it becomes indistinguishable indistinguishable from a cult. <laughs> I don't uh, think it'd go that. Oh, far, here we go. Still. This is your company. You are the leader, and you <laughs> you have. To, I can't read this with a straight face. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. This is your company. You are the leader, and you have to know what is right in your heart to do. And if you cannot do that, then you should probably not be the CEO, because that's the CEO's job. The CEO's job is not just to have a shareholder return. The, C- the CEO's job is to have a stakeholder return, and you have to do both. Passionate. Yes. I, did I do a good job of that? <laughs> I think that was not good. <laughs> I think you read it the way Zuckerberg wrote. Zuckerberg? Yeah. A little robotic thing. Oh, is, is he? The, He's is ref- when he when when he said that quote, he's referring to to Facebook. Oh, still, yeah. Oh, still that quote is referring judge. to Facebook Man. because the the 
because they punted on that decision to some kind of board and the board sent it back saying, no, this is your company. You, you make the decision. And that's what Benioff is referring to and echoing that. Well, uh, that's why that article is confusing because it spends the first part talking about the ranch and then they realize now oh, the ranch is a boring topic. Let's talk about this other thing. Yeah. I think, I think a Salesforce ranch would be cool. Um, you could, I, I do. You could, you could, um, you could bring, you know, customers out there and prospects. You could, I don't know. There'd be literal trails. It'd be, um, and you could get literal badges. Yes. Like, what will, what will we call the actual trailheads and the trails? The trailheads and trails. And the actual rangers at the ranch. What we've already, we've already, appropri- we've already appropriated that, that terminology for our tech company. Well, they'd all just continue. They're just, they're just, there's taking the, the virtual trail head stuff yeah. and making it reality. <laughs> okay. um, no, I, th- I think that would be cool. This is life coming, coming back around. You know how everything is a cycle? And I think you could get a good deal on a ranch. I don't think it would be a big deal for Salesforce, right? Oh, I'm sure they could. You know, it'd, it'd be somewhere where you'd want, you'd want a good airport within, I would say, a couple hours. Ideally, a couple hour drive to the airport. So you could, be, so you could land and then be at the ranch within two hours. Of course, Benioff could just take a helicopter, but... Yeah, that's not going to happen then. Benioff loves San Francisco too much. He'd try, to, he'd, he'd try his best to find something there. Well, I don't think... I, don't think I mean, you'd have to get a decent away, away from San Francisco to, to find... To get to ranch land. Oh, I know. And the problem... I think the part of the problem with that is there's no way that's going to be a two-hour drive. I'm thinking, you know, somewhere, you know, Montana, Nevada... Uh, Montana somewhere in the, cool. Yeah. Again, you could you could definitely land at the airport and be at your mm-hmm. ranch within two hours. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I think tech people, especially, they need retreats too. You know, you got to get out, got to get out of the bubble. You, of course, you're going kind of one from one bubble to another. Going, yeah, but, I was going to say you're still <laughs> I mean, in the bubble. Yeah, this is expanding the bubble. Expanding. <laughs> um, I just no, I, I just I don't like the idea. I mean, Dreamforce is hard your, enough to take sometimes. But this this is the anti-Dreamforce. This is no. this is where you go to decompress, no. John. No. Yes. He said it himself. He wants to build Disneyland. You go feed the feed the cows, um, ride the horses. Probably they probably have ATVs you can ride out there. Do some work. Put your put your chaps on. <laughs> the kiosk on every trail so you can collect your virtual. But you badge. can't you can't wear your chaps. I've seen your chaps. Those aren't gonna be allowed there. <laughs> I can if I put if I actually wear pants on it. <laughs> well, yes, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Um, I don't know. It's fun. It's a fun topic to think about I, what that would. I think what it, that would look like and what it would be. I think it would be. I think it would work, and I think it would pay dividends for the stakeholders of Salesforce. Yeah, don't you? It, it get, I'm, being, uh, I'm actually being serious. It. It. Yeah. I mean, every president has their like their ranch that they go to. Actually, just, yes. Oh, yeah. Most of them have, right? Most of them had some kind of place where they would go. Like, it was like the ranch, the compound, yeah. Yeah. The, the presidential compound. Right. And that would be Benioff. Like, yeah. Be like, no, he's, he's at the, he's at the compound. Yeah, he's at the ranch. He's at the ranch. He's, he'll have a compound on the ranch. Yeah. That's where he meets all the important people. <laughs> where they can meet and, and relax. I, I am so sold on this Even idea. George Lucas The more we a, talk about it, the more I'm sold on this. He has a, he has a ranch. <laughs> he can make it like the Star Wars ranch. I'm, John, when are we going to get a ranch? Uh, How about it? Hey. Cash in our millions. Hey. Good day, sir. Ranch. Yeah, there's a you could there's a lot you could do you could do, you could do with that. It would probably it'd probably be the rudest place ever. Rudest, rudest. Why? Because that's our thing. No, it's not. Yeah. What are you talking about? Our our 
our thing is you lose. Good day, sir. Get out of here. Oh, that's because someone did the wrong thing. I'm just saying. You come to our ranch, you don't do the wrong thing. You do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who would the mascot be? Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Can I have a chocolate river? There will be a chocolate river at our ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. I mean, that meeting's over. <laughs> yep. It's not even a question. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can see you're nervous. You're, uh, you're excited because you're, ma- you're moving all over the Google Doc. <laughs> do you do that in meetings, too? I do that. You know what I do? I do a lot of clicking. I or you know what I do? You've heard me do it. I, I click my mouse. I scroll. Oh, my God. You're the worst scroller. What? I got to keep, I keep, I'm coming in hot today, I guess. I keep, I feel like I keep clipping. <laughs> is that just in my ears or is that being recorded, do you think? I, I think that one got recorded. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in the incessant, I'll highlight things. And then unhighlight them with my mouse. Highlight, highlight, just constantly. Yeah. And then, especially if I'm like sharing my screen, someone will be like, "Jeremy, you just can you stop?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot, I forget." <laughs> do you do the thing where you're like the pointer? Like if someone's talking and you're presenting, do you like move your mouse and like wiggle it? Like when someone says something, they're, they're talking about this area, so I wiggle the mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do a little, ver- you know, circle. It's just you know the has I'm 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 just plagued with. Uh, all kinds of ticks, verbal ticks, nervous ticks. Um, yeah. When I'm presenting, I feel like I'm I'm in front of them and I have to do something. Like I have to perform. Yeah. I can't just sit there and just let someone talk and leave my screen sharing. I have to have my hand on the mouse and I have to perform something. Yeah. I got to move it around. Yeah. I got to highlight something. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um. Oh. Hey, look at this. I actually had that register article in our doc here. I just realized that. It's the Salesforce outage root cause. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I saw, it, I saw it after you yeah. started. Um, so we, we have uh, evidence that Hyperforce is rolling out. I didn't even know that was that real yet. Did you? Remind me what Hyperforce is. Well, is it not the... Uh, it, okay, so I'm confused on... Salesforce is Hyperforce. Okay, I think it's Salesforce's ability to basically deploy a Salesforce pod on on like any public cloud. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's what it says. But it sounds like they're migrating like normal existing pods to Hyperforce pods, which I think if they have done that, I'm guessing it's gone fairly well. But it has there have been some some like edge kind of edge case problems. Mm-hmm. Um, people were talking about, I think it was around communities or experiences. Do we call them experiences now? I'm supposed to call them experiences. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just can't keep up. I still want to call them customer portals, but <laughs> I'm still not even calling them communities yet. <laughs> uh, I can't keep up, John. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I need a. Can can I wonder if they they can create an Einstein thing that just real time translates your former terminology to current terminology as you say it? Oh, as you say it. Yeah, huh? as you say it. Oh, that'd be bad for the world. It'll have these universal yeah. translators. Um. Yeah. So uh, uh, there was okay. I guess a client got migrated to to the Hyperforce pod, and one of their apps broke. I think they were talking about it maybe being related to experiences. Anyway, I don't know. 
I was just like, wow, Hyperforce is happening already? Let's see. What is... Yeah, the way communities and the, the kind of URL system works and things like that, it, it doesn't really seem like it works very well. I'm hoping that that gets improved with later iterations, but it's just kind of weird. Yeah, and I, I thought Hyperforce was almost like the modern-day HP Superpod, and, but instead of having to buy an, an HP Superpod, you could just, de you know, deploy your own Salesforce pod on AWS or whatever you wanted in your own, you know, VPC. Well, the HP... I didn't know it was... The HP Superpod... Superpod. <laughs> Superpod. That's hard to say really fast. That, to me, sounds more like a kind of a hardware thing, right? Where you just, you get all the hard... You, maybe you get a, I don't know, a big system to stick in your data center somewhere. This seems more container-like where you get a container that you can kind of put where you need to. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so watch out for Hyperforce. They're rolling out, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's Hyperforce. one of those things I'm surely either you're either opting into or you're doing yourself or because, you know, I mean, Salesforce notices, notifies you when even if there's just going to be like a site switch, which is kind of a big deal. But I think they always notify about that, that there might be a little pickup or something. Yeah, I don't know. It could just be a way just to modernize things and make it more portable for them. Obviously, I think for for, for countries that, that require data to be within the country's boundaries and making that distribution easier where possible, since they have to rely on existing data centers in order to do that. Because from what I understand, in certain countries, it's very hard to set up your own data center just with all the regulation and everything else that has to happen. So it's easier to piggyback off someone else and host your stuff there. Yeah, quicker. Yeah. Quicker and cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about this today when we were reviewing some code. We found a, some nice little Salesforce passwords in, in a Git repo. Yeah, we're um, going to have to... And they, by the way, you have to clarify, it was not our repo. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. But I, I, I saw this tweet, and I don't remember where I saw it. I don't know if it was on our Slack or if I saw it somewhere else, but uh, this person, Nat Eliason or something like that, he's telling the story. His first tweet on May 10th was, deployed my first Hello World style contract on the test network this morning. This is the most fun I've had learning in something in a long time. Uh, and then the next day, another tweet. All right, so time for a very painful story about how in, ex how in my excitement about learning Solidity yesterday... I made the mistake that lets someone steal $30,000 from me. Oh. Uh, he says, when you're doing Solidity development, you need some way to interface with the network to, do, to, to deploy contracts, the easiest way being through MetaMask. So mistake one, I used normal MetaMask account to set up the account. And then in order to deploy anything, you need to have a MetaMask seed mnemonic in your code somewhere so you can sign the deployment. Uh, for non-crypto people, you need to put a blank password in your code. And I used a blank uh, i used a blank account with money or used a bank account with my money in it no oh. um now that'd be a fine except i wanted to put my work on github so i put my seed phrase in a separate file added it to get ignore and committed everything except i made the effing typo and get ignore oh i've done that i forgot you need to include the file extension so instead of writing secret.js i wrote secret and committed the file to my seed phrase uh, I noticed before deploying, though, and removed it but didn't realize github will get all commit history even if you remove something uh, so basically, I published my bank login credentials on the internet. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's interesting. Um, GitHub does keep references to any blob that it's pushed up, I believe. And I don't know if you can go through and delete blobs. Mm. But just because there's not a branch that you can get to those from any or even a tag or any any uh, reference that you can get to it from the blob is still there they now i know the git the like the cli git system it will occasionally perform maintenance on the date on the blob database whatever it's called mm-hmm. and if there aren't if there's nothing that references that hasn't referenced those blobs or something for a certain amount of time, it will clean those up. It's part, I think, what is it, compacting? I forget. You can, you can manually run it, but I think it will run. If, you, if you're repository, I think it has to get really big before it gets, starts giving a shit about it. But when it does, it'll, it will start doing maintenance on that database. Mm-hmm. But until it does that, yeah, those, you might think, oh, crap, I'm going to remove that and whatever. And, and you might even remove that branch so that you can't even get to that commit anymore that had that. That blob is still there. It's, it's like, um... <laughs> It's uh, what what was it with hard drives that would happen? Um, oh, it flags deletions, so you can, if you have the right tool, you can read all the deletes or the data that's still there that's flagged as deletions. What was it with hard drives though? When, um, un- that you would get um, files and things that were still out there, but their the link to them was gone or whatever, and you had you'd have to run some kind of yeah. you know one of the whatever the the partition cleanup utilities or whatever it was that would find all those things and get rid of them, un- unlink something. I forget, but same same. Concept, I think. Yeah, I mean that's that's how they recover things from your hard drive. Is they just read all the the bits and try to reconstruct what they were supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. But, but I guess the, the the entry that kind of registers where all that data is stored in in memory on the disk that it that entry gets killed. But if you have the right kind of tool, it can read it and try to reconstruct what what that was. Yeah. But yeah, that's why you have um, uh, disk cleaners that will do overwrites. So basically just overwrite a bunch of zeros or whatever mm-hmm. onto the disk. And that's basically to mask the data that's technically still there. Yes, but you've... Because a delete doesn't actually physically overwrite it on the disk. It's not... I think it's just for performance reasons. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah there's... Most of the... Most, almost all file systems, or at least all popular ones. Um, yeah, they don't... They don't the security of no longer referenced things is not a... It's, it's, it's outside of its scope. Yeah. It doesn't care about that, right? That's uh, you, if you if you worry about that, that's a whole other concern, and you need to. It's on the. It's on you to get some utility that can clean that crap up. Yeah. So if you didn't know that before, you throw out a hard drive, <laughs> a physical hard drive. Uh, I don't know that solid state has. Does solid state have that? Oh yeah, solid state so. does have that same issue. I think yeah. so. Now I don't. I don't know if the process is different. Like if you do like a you know a military grade erase of a disk. Yeah. I know on I know on magnetic disks. Or the spinning, spinning rust, whatever those are called now. Yeah. Um, it'll just it just writes ones and zeros to it a certain over and over and over a certain right. number of times because I guess they can have some kind of memory, a little bit of stickiness of what the previous bit, yeah. whether it was a one or a zero, which is crazy to me. Yeah, what? And really, someone can reconstruct actual files in a useful way out of apparently out of what this <laughs> one bit used to refer to. That's I don't. I'm not even sure I buy that, but it seems like if you just zero out the whole hard drive once, I'm like. There's no way. I mean, this would this would take. This would be the biggest, uh, you know, Russian hacking crew, and you know, <laughs> whatever this ever actually existed to to somehow reconstruct your files from from yeah. zeros. Yeah. But no, it's uh, it's um it's a thing. So if you have anything sensitive on the hard drive, you might want to run and run a utility on it. 
<laughs> but yeah, get it popping the stack on that. Yeah, I mean, not only do you have to be careful if you do accidentally put a password or something on Git, is to make sure that you understand how Git handled the history of that deletion, or how you removed it, or the way you. Yeah, I don't know. Can you blow a repo whole repo away and just start over? Um, you probably can. The question is, what on the internet has cached has cached those things? Just think about it. We make an HTTP request of something on GitHub that's going through any number of HTTP. I don't know what you call them, actors or whatever servers, caching mechanisms, caching layers, all that kind of stuff. So there's a good chance those bits are still out there on the internet somewhere, or hell, even. I mean, does the things like do does web archive the 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 web archive does it does it actually index you know get repositories? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Either. So the, definitely the thing to assume is yes, it's still out there. Uh, any, I I'm actually not sure I've ever committed a well a, a, not a password that I gave a shit about. Um, I have for brief periods of time uh, just pushed up to so I can share things um, to like. Uh, scratch orgs that mm -hmm. have no data in them or whatever, but that I kill the org and, and eventually pull down that repository. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've actually pushed up an important password. It's really not a good practice in general. Um, but if you do, uh, the best thing to do would be obviously take it down as quick as you can, but then immediately just go to whatever account that was, whether it was you know your bank account or a Salesforce account, and change the password immediately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you should assume that you can't ever cleanse the internet of that data that you push up to it. Yeah, that's very true. That is that would be the safest thing to do. Oh, and and MFA it if you can. And what are these? Yeah, oh, for sure. And what are the? That's you know, part of why we have MFA. Yeah. Um, if not really the reason why we have MFA, actually, <laughs> now that now that I revise that statement. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, I don't know. Oh, GitHub now has. Uh, what, is, what do they call it? They have things that will that goes through, and it actually, every, any, I think, on every commit, it scans to see if you've pushed up. It, it knows what all kinds of different passwords and tokens for different kind of services look like. Mm. And so, let's say you push up, um, I don't know, um, some kind of session token for any kind of number of services. It knows how to look for those for. It'll, it let you know immediately. Interesting. I think. You think it finds it and tries to ping the service no i don't think so okay. that, that would be um that would be a little sketchy yeah that's what, let's, <laughs> let's let's before we tell him let's check his bank balance first <laughs> <laughs> well suppose is google io happening or did it happen this week I, i've just put it in my note list here um may 18th to 20th yeah i, I actually didn't see any news that came out of that other uh, actually i did um what was it there was some, did the SAP runner thing come from that? Oh no, there was this um, um like holographic. I don't even know, I don't even know if that's the right term, but the, Google's making this booth that you can get for your office. It probably costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh huh. It's a booth, and you sit at the booth like I'm sitting here, and you've got a, a screen, and you've got cameras on you. But it, across from the booth, it's like a, a you know a, a diner booth or something. Across from the booth is what looks like a real in life person that you're talking to because they have to have a booth too. Okay. And it makes just like this hologram of the person. So instead of, you know, Zoom where they're, they're on a flat screen, you're looking at a full 3D in person of someone. I didn't think do that. And I'm just like, oh, that, that sounds so practical. I, I get, we should get one of those. Our little 12 person company, right? We should get one of these things. <laughs> you saw how well it worked on Silicon Valley, right? I don't remember that, no. Yeah, he, he bought this company and he had this cylinder where he was inside of it. 
Um, <laughs> but the internet that. kept cutting out. <laughs> yeah. He was blaming the technology, but then he even went to, to video conferencing and it still cut out. And then he went to cell phone and it still cut out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, yeah. That's good. Oh, that show I've, I've only seen clips of like the best clips of it. I haven't actually sat and watched all of them, but it's it's a pretty good show. I still miss that show. It's it's really good. I yeah. like it. <clears throat> well, John, you're gonna have to migrate your uh, your blockchain projects off of Azure. I know. So disappointed. And cool. I have I have so many of them. So they're they're I, shutting down. I just their... blockchained all the things. <laughs> it's funny because blockchain is is useful for certain things, but man, I would say ninety percent of the, the the uses people are trying to come up with it was just a solution looking for a problem. Yeah. Um. In which I immediately made me think of, hey, what happened to Salesforce's blockchain product? Oh yeah, what did happen? I have no idea. <laughs> It it was always just still beta, wasn't it? It never was, or beyond pilot. I don't know. Or maybe it's there, and someone would be like, "Oh, it's still there. We use it." Yeah, along <laughs> with uh, database.com and VMforce, and yeah. <laughs> it, it it went to that rainbow bridge of of former former slash <laughs> you know failed to launch products. <laughs> hey, just because we don't have a use for it, man, doesn't mean someone else doesn't. I, I know. Yeah. Well, we're I, on our we're in our own bubble. I, hey, I don't know that. Salesforce blockchain doesn't exist. I mean, as far as I know, it does, and people are using it for stuff. Yeah. Again, blockchain is a, it's a cool technology. It's cool to under, at least understand it and in case you are one of the, you know, one out of every 10 million people who end up with an actual use case for it. I don't think I ever really understood it. I mean, I understood the, the concept of it being a ledger and, and all that kind of stuff, but I just, I never wrapped my head around it enough to go, oh, I could use that for this. Or that would be cool if I could use it for this. I mean, there's, again, um, probably a massive chance that you've just never had a blockchain problem. I don't think I've ever had a blockchain problem. The one example I did come up with was um, logistics was tracking a product's life cycle through all the way through from raw material to, to where it needs to end product. Yeah. The question is why would you need a blockchain for that though? Well, there's been certain industries where parts um, that are, that are serialized individual parts that become part of a bigger thing, mm -hmm. especially like airplane parts where they have to account for every single one of those because they need, if there's a recall or a defect, they have to be able to find them and get them. So that's where I thought that would be a it, good use case. It might actually. Um, I, I, I see, and I get, I'm not a blockchain expert at all, but to me, the where blockchain becomes valuable is when you, when you have lots of different parties mm -hmm. who need to be able to use and contribute to the, the distributed ledger. Mm -hmm. And there also has to be it has to be cryptographically um, strong, right? Mm -hmm. Secure, so that you know no one party or really no, you can't fudge anything. And because it's, because the because the ledger is distributed amongst you know the different these all kinds of different parties, you know there's also consensus mm -hmm. as well. So you can't have you know no one company can be like, oh, we need to fudge a bunch of stuff on the ledgers. Like, well, you you can't do that because no one you know party has that kind of power in, on the network. Right. So, so like financial for transactions like that. Are, that probably, are things like that. I mean, if there's, yeah. you have multiple parties that need to be able to know what serial numbers went into different things and these all get signed and encrypted and put on the, on the blockchain. Yeah. And, and, and that actually, and I think that's, that kind of thing is, I think that's where people are looking at or are using blockchain, things like that. Maybe. But it has to be something I think where if there's not multiple parties involved, I don't see what the point of it is. You could just, you, you don't need a distributed cryptographically secure ledger right you just use a database it's fine yeah. there's, there's no trust involved because the only person you have to trust is yourself because 
you're the only one who has access to this database. It, it's when it becomes a, a matter of either public concern or like multi-party concern. Yeah. Well, some people do try to try to uh, create some kind of token stream in serial numbers today when they have a part and they move it or transfer it from something else, or they might have it in consignment. So they've got the original part plus their part number or their skew or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, where they basically connect concatenate those two together. Okay. Um, so that was my original thought, but then I thought, well, that's kind of dumb. That's, that doesn't involve blockchain or doesn't need blockchain. But then I thought about the, the airplane, um, scenarios. So. Yeah. That airplane one could make some sense. Uh, well, what else? We have a, you know, should we, should we give everyone a break from our, uh, voices for a minute? Let's see, where's my, oh, you got a clip. Well, I'd hope to have a clip. We work shifting segment. Is. I caught up with Salesforce co-president mm-hmm. and chief operating officer, Brett Taylor at the New York Stock Exchange Tech Summit to talk about what the future of work will look like. Well, I think the future of the work is flexible. You know, whether you're, uh, you know, trying to find a lower cost place to live outside of a city or you're a parent like you are and I am and, you know, enjoy those afternoons with our children. I think the expectation right now from every single employee of Salesforce is some flexibility. Um, We don't know what the future looks like, but we know the aspects of this year that has really transformed It's shortened our commutes. It's given us more time with our families. On the other hand, I think people are really sick of being in their offices. We survey our employees and in the early stages of this pandemic, no one to come into the office, it's well above 75% right now. People want that connection. Um, and we're actually real. I did say that 75% of people want to come back into the office? I think so. Okay. But Openings. I mean, I think we can relate to that. When we first started, or at least when I first started working from home, you have to set up a whole new set of rules at the house. It's not as easy as just sitting on the couch and opening up your laptop. I mean, if you have a spouse or if you have kids, especially if it's summer and they're running around, you've got calls, you've got, if you don't have a dedicated space to work, I mean, these are all things that I worked out over years and years and building a custom office and having my space and setting the rules and all that kind of stuff. That's true. I mean, I've, I've worked either completely at home or a mix of home for, I did it for so long. I really don't that much anymore because I usually come in here most of the time, but yeah. and, And some people, I think, they love that they're fine with having you know hammering out a process and having rules they just don't have this the proper space for it yeah and they're just struggling yeah so well because they live in san francisco he also mentioned that where they want to live somewhere else that's cheaper (laughs) (laughs) because you you literally can't afford an an extra four by four room to to work it it would cost you another you know sixty four hundred dollars a month Salesforce Tower in just a week. Uh, we're starting off with a small group of uh, vaccinated people who are sort of raising their hand to volunteer, but I'm really hopeful that we'll open this up more gradually looking forward. Um, without question, it's going to change the way we think about our real estate and change where we hire from. Well, that's true because we know that based on their, um, well, it was really the previous quarter's financials, which is was a few months ago, but they already are taking a... Um, a $216 million impairment due to real estate leases in selected locations that we have decided to exit. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting because if you decide to exit your lease mm-hmm. and you got to pay anyway, I think that's what an impairment means. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a CPA or whoever comes up with these terms. The, 
the uh, the landlord gets to just like turn around and okay, you're gone, but you had to pay anyway. But they're going to just lease it back out. Now they may not get what you paid per square, f- what you were paying per square foot, but they'll get something good for it, and they're getting double paid. Well, they hope they're getting double paid because not too many companies are shopping around for locations. Well, that's right why I said now. you can. Uh, they are actually. There's a lot of shopping going on because you can get good deals right now. Mm. So it's like if you've if you've been thinking about if you've got a growing company, let's say, and you've been thinking about, man, we should, we need to get like just we need to just lease out a floor somewhere because we're growing. Um, and you've been on the fence because real estate was so expensive. Mm-hmm. It's a great time to get a lease right now. Lock in a ten year lease. Great time to do it. Yeah, think about that. Um, but there's and I can't think of the, the term. There is a there's a legal term in the leasing business that um, basically says that. If you have, if you need to, if you want to get out of your lease, you have to pay until you, your um, your lease can be replaced. And what's interesting is that as as the lessee, yeah, as the lessee, mm-hmm. you can actually help go find a new lessor. Hmm. And if you find one, get them to sign, and then you're out of your lease. You don't have to pay. Anyway, there's a, that's I think that's in most leases. I can't think of what the term is. I haven't had to sign a lease in a while. But, yeah. Always like that. Because if not, then they can double. They can just require you pay out your lease and immediately turn around and lease it to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good business. Yeah. That's why people get into real estate. <laughs> Hopefully in a more inclusive way all around the world, uh, because I think we can recruit from everywhere. But I do think that, you know, creative teams are often in the same place. There is that, you know, casual conversation you get in the hallway that's hard to reproduce. Um, And I think that when I look forward, I think the people saying it's all distributed or it's all in the office are probably too simple. I think we're going to say, how do you recreate a culture that is flexible? How do you end up in the office with the right people at the right time? I joke that flexible work isn't a individual decision. It's a team decision. So I think there's going to be a lot of software that helps companies go back to the office in flexible ways like our work.com. I was going to say, I'm I'm sure Salesforce has something to offer in that area. (laughs) (laughs) On platform. Always be selling, John. Yeah. And I also think we'll just have to see where people's expectations are on the other side of this pandemic. And it's fun to theorize about, but candidly, I think it's hard to predict. So, you know, even my children are familiar with the Salesforce Tower. It is San Francisco's largest. Anyway, th- this is probably boring. I didn't listen to this at time, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it goes on for another three minutes. but Well, he's not wrong. There's a lot of disadvantages to not having everyone together, um, not only for the collaborative conversations, the I mean, just being able to grab someone and say, hey, can you look at this for me? Or yeah. can you, I'm, this is what I'm trying to do and what is it doing? Um, but also, I mean, when it comes to kind of advancing your career, there, there's a lot of kind of just building your brand. And it's kind of tough to do virtually, I think. Not that it's impossible, but I think, you know, there's a lot that happens when you go and have lunch with someone or hang out with a group and talk about your ideas in a non-formal environment where you can just kind of brainstorm and stuff. Yeah, I think, you know, companies with either, a, 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 I guess, a strong remote culture that have supported remote. I mean, you do find ways to, that are pretty good for replacing a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Some some things, though, it's just never going to be 100% as good as as yeah. in, in the office. But there's also things about remote that will never be 100% as good in the office. So it's yeah. you, you can't have it totally, can't have the best of both worlds. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but you can deal with you can deal with both, I guess. I don't know. And then uh 
companies like ours, like we're completely remote and we used to have get togethers yeah. every so often, but we haven't been able to do that in well over a year now. Well, it's cheaper for the company. I mean, is it? Because, you know, it's, it's kind of an investment and I guess if you look at that way, yeah. So I mean, in, in other, in, in ways we're I feel like, you know, we're kind of losing out because you, we did that for that kind of thing for a reason. It's because it, you know, it was good for the company, good for the culture. Then, well, you just need to buy a damn ranch then. I know. Yeah. I'm telling See, you, we got to work, we gotta work on this. I know he is. I you know, he's the idea guy. That's yeah. why he's the idea guy. Instead of having corporate campuses everywhere, all of our free real estate is going to be taken up by company branches. Uh, maybe, yeah. Or gonna, maybe we're going to plant trees. They're going to be green initiatives. They're going to have solar panels and wind panel or wind wind farms and everything. It's just going to be the utopia. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What else did I have on my list? Oh, Benioff is. Um. Speaking of Benioff, it's like the Benioff show today. He is, he's selling an NFT of like Time's first, either the fir their first issue or just the first cover of it. I'm not quite sure what it was, but. No, it's got to be the cover. Those are the most valuable things. Again, this, this is, we should have had a segment called Always Be Selling. Because this is just another <laughs> example of that. It's like, what can we sell? What can we sell? Oh, no, let's make NFTs. Those are a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> can they make NFTs of like. Um, what are they of called? Sa no, of, of no, of, of like sassy and rangery, or what are the other goofy and what are the names of the plushies? I don't know all their chatty, names. chatty. Oh, chatty's a is chatty still around or is chatty rest in peace? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're mothballed. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can see you, 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 John, for some, I'm sure, a very respectable. Uh, modest price can become the owner of time, or at least the owner of an NFT of Time's first cover. But I think in this case, you actually get they sh you so you will own the NFT, but they mm -hmm. actually you also get something physical shipped to you. I don't know, it's like a, a signed blow up of the of the cover from Benioff, or it's the or maybe they maybe it's like their actual original one that came off the press or something. Mm -hmm. you, you get something physical. What do you think of this NFT thing? I don't know. I, I think it's a big scam. Yeah, <laughs> it's just another thing to sell, right? Yeah, I don't get it. Does it does it does it rank up there with commemorative coins or something? It's even worse, I think. I mean, <laughs> it's worse than commemorative coins. Although those, some of those commercials are pretty persuasive. I've, I know. I've watched man. those commercials going. <laughs> I might want to get that. I know. <laughs> Coin does look pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> and it's only nineteen ninety five. Little case, I can put that <laughs> up on the wall. And if you order within the next 24 hours, uh, shipping handling is covered. Yeah. And so, they're always worth more than what they're selling them for. Like triple. They're yeah. like, this is yeah. worth like a million dollars. They're just buying it for 10 bucks. They, they just, they believe in the cause so much. They're selling them for, for below what they can get for them on the open market. Yeah. So. That's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's for the stakeholders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to talk about this new bit of CSS technology. It's that I, I've I've wanted and needed for so long. Oh, okay, it's fairly new, uh, but it's essentially synonymous with the media tag. So if you do at media in um, CSS, you can kind of define given the viewport range. Yeah, you know, when to start yeah. adjusting your CSS. What so those, um, uh, media, media queries? Media queries. Thank yeah. You. So you can say things like you know if the width is X number of pixels that we're likely in a mobile interface. So make sure everything kind of 
all my tiled content gets squished into one row and stuff like that. Um, but the reality is that it's not always based on the viewport, um, especially with web components that we have now. We have a lot of comp different components that we want to size based on how big they are in the container. Um, so there's a new tag that's being developed, and it's not in all browsers. I think it's in the, the latest kind of experimental phases of most newer browsers, but it's, it's essentially called container. So this, you would use it the same way you would use a media query um, attribute or tag. I think I want to call it an attribute. Um, you would use it the same way, except it would be based on the container. So if the container is a certain width or height, you can adjust the content of your, or the styling of your components, which I think would be really great. Yeah. Because we're finally getting some nice things in terms of flex or flex boxing or grid grid panels in CSS, and that's continuing to advance because there's there was flex and now there's grid, and grid has a certain amount of support. Flex has more support than grid, but yeah. I like the way grid works better. I'm not sure if Salesforce has transitioned to grid. I think they're still using flex, but I'm not sure. But see, I don't, and I can yeah, I, I could just disclaimer my CSS learning stopped probably in like 2014 for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, I, I know enough about Grid and Flexbox to think that I don't see Grid as a replacement for Flexbox. I, I There were things that were diff still difficult to do in Flexbox that Grid solves, which mm -hmm. is great. But there's still things that Flexbox does that Grid doesn't. I mean, I think they're they're both still very valid tools in the in the quiver. Yeah, I can see arrows. that because I have run into... <laughs> I think I'm mixing my metaphors. Tools <laughs> in the quiver? Arrows in the, arrows in the toolbox? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think when it comes to CSS, I'm more of a purist. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with variables being in CSS, but I'm not okay with variables being in CSS because we're we went from a very simple layout scripting technology to to this very complicated programming yeah. environment yeah. that we've now that we've introduced variables and we've yeah. introduced things like calc methods and stuff in it, which is all great. It helps us with styling and positioning things and doing a thing as a at the presentation layer. Um, but at the same time, it's getting really complex. So saying that we're okay with flex and grid and they're both kind of their own thing and they have their own uses to me is just adding more complexity. It's, yeah. it's, we're adding two technologies where whatever shortcomings could be merged and try to come up with one, one thing. But, um, I don't know. I, I love CSS. I like ensuring that my uh, presentation I, that, is, that is not a phrase you hear often, honestly. What? I love CSS. Because most people are, especially developers, are like, I hate CSS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the nice thing is that we've we've kind of created a good separation of concern there. We we have enough functionality in CSS now that we don't we don't have to do too much on, on in terms of markup. And I know that's that's a really thin line I'm walking when I say that. Yeah. Um, that, for the most that, part, that tail still wags that dog quite a bit. It, it does. <laughs> it does. But I mean, with with things like before and after kind of, I don't know what you call them. At, they're not attributes, they're... Oh, the pseudo tags or whatever? Pseudo tags, okay. yeah, there you go. Or pseudo something, pseudo yeah. selectors. I mean, that gives you some flexibility and be able to kind of manipulate the markup and, and inject things. And, and Yeah, that's true. Without having to have someone physically add another div or add another yep. span or something to do or something even, like that. Or even characters and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's still difficult. Like, if you try to create a design system and you try to modulize that, I mean, the Salesforce design system is just crazy with how you have to layer all these tags together and hope they all work. Mm. Um, so there's, there's still some drawbacks there, but I mean, it's, it's been around long enough and we've, we've kind of manipulated enough to make it really useful. And I see, I see a lot need, a lot less need to do things like custom tags that exist only for styling 
in, in my market. Now, when you say, t- I know you, uh, we talked about this before, I apologize, because you say this, you, you say you talk about CSS tags, and I forget what you mean by that, because there's really no such thing as CSS tags. What are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about HTML markup. Oh, okay, HTML tags. tags. Okay, yeah. okay. Okay. So what I'm saying that, uh, what I'm saying is that I'm seeing a lot less, especially in my own code, a lot less of me injecting a div somewhere because um, I need it for styling. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. I mean, that's a good sign. You know, one of the one of the just prob- you know, problems we're always going to have with CSS, I think, until we replace it with something else, it was, you know, CSS was invented and developed at a time in which we were really needed a better styling um, technology for um, continuous media, for for web pages mm-hmm. and for printed pages things that scroll that are continuous or paged media uh, the thought of like web applications the way we think of them now wasn't even a sparkle in that committee's eye at the time sure and so now we've trailed that we you know we've, we keep patching these things on top of every time a new level of css comes out mm-hmm. trying to figure out how do we adapt this technology to be able to style modern web applications and so it's really difficult and that's what i think why and i'm not talking about like people who are like css design experts i'm talking about like application developers still really struggle with css because it just it's a clashing model sure um and it it, it's just just kind of difficult and it's weird because i you still i see this so often where you know you'll have people who you know they they know how they can do flexbox and they can do they 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 at least to some degree kind of have some working knowledge and, and use use cases for these things and abilities, I guess I should say. But people still don't understand the fundamentals of CSS. Like, it, get someone to explain to you what the who who thinks they've got pretty good CSS. You think you have pretty good CSS knowledge, Sean? No. Okay. <laughs> it just explains some of them. Like one of the most fundamental things that you really need to understand is the block formatting context. It's, this is yeah. one of my interview questions, actually. Yeah. Um, because it it's really it's it's been there since almost the beginning. And it is so fundamental to how um, blocks are going to flow, and what and and what creates a new context and what doesn't. And sure. it's a source of so many like oh I'll, I'll just use bugs and quotes not bugs but people think it's bugs, on why they can't get their shit to lay out right. Yeah, and it's just because they don't understand the block formatting context and the fact that they've got multiple and what created what creates them. Right. Um, so yeah, I would say go back and. Uh, What's the what's a good way to learn CSS nowadays? Just do it. <laughs> that's that's it's too overwhelming. There used to be a site. I don't remember if I don't know if it's still around, but there used to be a site where they published HTML and they basically released it to the community and said, "Hey, style this using CSS." Oh, CS- er- Zen Garden. Zen Garden. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That would also make me completely say, "You know what? No way. I can never learn this." This is. <laughs> Especially when you look at the CSS, when you looked at the yeah. HTML and then the CSS that made the deal, it's like, there's, there, I can never do not even a chance. I wonder if that still exists. I'm CSS sure it does. Is it's got to. It's got to still be there, even though if it's not active anymore. Oh, this is something else. This is the road to, well, is it? Yeah, I don't know. It is there. CSSZenGarden.com. Oh, view all designs here. Oh, no. It's, it's a dead link. When you go to view designs. Oh, that sure it is. That's weird. I bet it's out there somewhere. Yeah. Not to find it again, but yeah, I remember that. I I I learned a lot from that place. Um, well, I didn't. I only only learned that I will never be good enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, the design aspect of it was a hobby. I mean, I was a developer, but I liked things to look good. Even when I was writing 
just visual basic applications. Mm. I did my best to try to make things look like what I called the Microsoft standard, which there was none because you look at the Windows standard versus the Office standard, which I liked the Office standard better than the Windows standard. But I mean, it was, it was just across the board everywhere. Yeah. Now, Windows is still just such an, an S show, man. It's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Oh, God, it's... I mean... Oh. Salesforce is kind of like that right yeah. now, too. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to say? Half no, classic, half, oh, half lightning. Yeah. It's just... It's kind of annoying. Yep. But I get it. I mean, there's, there's a lot to, to rebuild there. Well, um, John, we've reached the point in the show where I'm looking through things, thinking to myself, what, do I re- what else did I really want to talk about today? Because I'm losing, I'm losing my energy. Oh. Well, I, and I saw you put, and it is quite past beer 30 at this point, and I don't have any beer. That's true. But I did think this was pretty interesting with Google Docs um, that you posted on here. Oh, that it'll the, start using a canvas-based rendering. Yeah. And so that, that's, I guess, is it CSS? It's not even a CSS thing. It's just the Canvas API and the, the Yeah, Canvas is just... It's like a drawing. Yeah, it's just uh, a drawing yeah. interface. So, so the way your desktop Word works is it draws all the characters onto this canvas or onto the page, onto the window. It's really a window. And any interaction you have with it interacts with that canvas. So whenever you highlight something, it's actually highlighting the drawn aspect mm-hmm. of where those pixels land. Um, but the way Google Docs works today is it's basically an HTML document. And anytime you type something or something, it translates that in HTML, and that's what you see. It's creating tons of HTML elements, right? right. Yeah, which is yeah. probably not near as efficient as Can- Canvas would probably be way more efficient. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I, I think I'm not... It allows them to do better things okay. and control the the way it renders across different devices. Mm. So if you have a Word doc, you know it's always going to look the same across all devices. Yeah. But if you're publishing CSS and things on different browsers, it may or may not look different. But if you're drawing it, you're drawing it and it looks the same. Kind of reminds me of when they put QuickBooks in a app in an ActiveX control in IE, <laughs> and that was the first version <laughs> of QuickBooks Online. Uh. <laughs> ActiveX was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> there's so many. I remember again, again a phrase. You know, there's a Reddit called a new sentence, mm-hmm. and you you keep coming up. With, this is your second one today. Like the phrase that no one else has ever said. First one was "I love CSS." <laughs> <laughs> that 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 deserves to go on slash r slash new sentence. <laughs> and then also, what do you say about ActiveX? ActiveX was fun, or no? ActiveX was, was something. fun, or something. something oh, okay, it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a piece of crap. I mean, honestly, I, I used ActiveX for some things. Yeah, I did too. I also Even did. some early Salesforce things. I had a company that, uh, and I told them, I said, I can do this in ActiveX, but everyone's going to have to be on this on IE, and they're going to have to do this. And they're like, yep, we want this button that does this thing. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I did, uh, I did Java applet stuff too, back in the day. Yeah. Which were arguably not as bad as ActiveX, but maybe worse. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah, that's... Uh, Probably worse because no one knew what version of Java they they had to have. Well, that's back when the browser came with some version. I forget what it was, but I I did that at the computer manufacturer we worked at. One of the support things was they could go to a website, mm-hmm. the support website, support for your PC. <laughs> Does that still exist? I don't know. Love that domain name. I know. And um, if they were using one of the com- computers we made, the applet would read their serial number and pre-populate it right from their computer. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had to do a signed Java app, and that was in like 2003. (laughs) (laughs) 
don't know if it's around anymore. I think it finally got killed. Anyway, uh, and I got to do our check-in of my. Um, again, I, I this is a this is a rolling competition between Apple stock, and so I bought I bought more Apple stock. When was it? Got two months ago, and and for the first time, I bought Salesforce stock. Kind of equal amounts of both, hmm. and currently my my Salesforce stock is is up three point seven percent. Had a good recovery this week because Salesforce was kind of in the in the dumper. Um, good recovery this week. So my position at Salesforce is up three point seven percent. And my position in Apple is now down 0.13%. I just wait. They got another event coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I made a lot of money on Apple um, over the past 10 years, at least, something mm. like that. But um, I switched, uh, what do you call the people that run your 401k and your IRAs? The broker or whatever they are? I don't know. what, the, what Custodian? I'm not sure what that's even called. Um, but when I did that, so they had, they had liquidated, liquidated everything. And for the past year or two, I didn't have, I just forgot and think about it. Cause I don't, I don't own that much individual stock. I'm mainly a hedge, not hedge fund, uh, index fund kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Don't, I'm not, I don't have enough money to be a hedge fund guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just forgot to, I knew I wanted to go out and keep a position in Apple and I just forgot. And so that's a couple months ago. I'm like, oh, I need to buy, I need to buy some Apple. And I was like, oh, I'll buy some Salesforce just to make it fun, you know? It's just nothing. to make it fun. Yeah, for the show. Yeah. <laughs> But also, I, you know, I've always said that, hey, I don't, I don't own, I, I don't own any Salesforce stock directly. So, you know, that's part of us being an unbiased shop. I'm like, ah, forget it. I'm so biased. It's ridiculous. And I'm, and I'm just, I'm go ahead and going to go We've ahead. done so many things <laughs> where we have not done so many things because we didn't want to bias. And here you go. Start uh, how stock. can you not be biased? We're so steeped in Salesforce, John. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can, you can deny it. You can not like it. It doesn't change the facts. I'm stuck. I don't know what you're talking about. But that part of it too. That's part of being steep. You're stuck. I'm stuck. Can't do anything else. All right. Um, so that's an update on the stock. Um, we should just do our, our requisite mention of the, we've, well, we've talked about the Slack and um, this podcast does have a, this, the, the community around this podcast has a Slack that we all um, participate in and just to uh, help each other out and and have fun. be fun yeah and or- organize things we used to organize in-person things through the slack when mm-hmm. back when you could do in-person things so hopefully that will be starting up soon again uh but dear listener if you're not in the slack you should uh, join you just go to gooddaystartpodcast.com and you uh you know put in your email address or something and then john will add you uh you can also shoot us an email info at gooddaystartpodcast.com uh you can send us show suggestions questions that we can do on the show if you'd like you can also send us sticker requests. We have stickers, Good Day Search stickers. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of them. Um, I do have a list of some people. So if you've requested recently, I'll put a batch together here pretty soon. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I do these in batch jobs. What's your cron schedule? That's <laughs> probably not frequent enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kudos if you can, if you can say it. I can't. If you could like zero. Did I have to look up zero, the cron? Three, zero, no, I one, can't. One, zero. <laughs> Question mark. To now we get so confused because like on I, I, whoever came up with that cron thing was it was so bad especially when they introduced the idea that like one of them has to be a an asterisk and the other one has to be a question mark or vice versa but you can't have both of the asterisks I, that still confuses me I still get it wrong I still have to look at that format up every time I use cron which is quite a bit and I still have to look it up all the time mm-hmm. it's like that in regular regular expressions yeah I, I cannot remember that syntax to save my life. By the way, my go to for that is just just Google Java pattern. It brings up the pattern class, which is one of the best 
succinct documentation of regular expressions there is. Mm. It's better than all those, you know, regex dash dot info and all these, all these, you know, sites. I mean, they're, yeah. some of those are good. I just, I don't know that Java pattern class has it all in one page. It's 90 point, 99.9% .9 of the time has got what I need right there. Yeah. That's my recommendation. That's oh. the tip of the day. Well, yeah, the, the second tip to that is, is you can use that for Salesforce because that's what it piggybacks off of. And lots of things piggyback off the Java regular, regular expression implementation. So yeah, not a bad idea. Um, yeah. So we have plenty of stickers, so please don't, don't be shy. We, we're happy and we're, we're very happy to send stickers pretty much anywhere. I think we can send them anywhere in the world. Um, what else, John? Even to Ellison's Island? Who? Larry Ellison's Island. Does, is there a zip code? Probably. Okay, well then, I, yes. <laughs> and if not, he can afford to find some kind of way to courier them to his island. Yeah. Or to Benny, doesn't Benioff buy some kind of little Hawaiian island somewhere? Oh, I'm sure he did. Yeah. All right, John. What else? Leave us a review on Apple, on Apple Podcasts or whatever it is. Even a little one sentence is fine, or just the stars. Just hit the just, just five stars, and now you'll notice it, it only accepts five stars for this podcast. So yeah. if you try to do less, it just it won't go through. There's a validation rule on it. Yeah. yeah. If you want to give uh, a low amount of stars, then go to the code coverage pod. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love those guys. <laughs> they have a new episode out. Apparently, I was going to ask. Yeah. Did they post something recently? I saw yeah, someone yeah. mention it. Yeah, so they did. Now I got to go check it out. <laughs> yes. It's been a year. Is this the longest they've gone? Oh no, it hasn't been a year. No, no. I mean, I don't know. They're has not been a year. I don't know. In fact, uh, they did a reboot like a year ago, and I know they had a, a few episodes since then. So nice. Anyway, yeah, go listen to Code Coverage. It's a good. It's a good podcast. All right, John. That's all I got to say. Cool. Well, to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.